Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch and I'm your host today. Today's topic is increase your RFP win rate by fixing the bid and tender process with John Globe. Welcome, John. Thank you so much, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to have you here. So if you're selling freight brokerage services, 3PL services, freight forwarding services, anybody selling to the supply chain, anybody selling to the transportation services, please take a listen because this should be a great podcast for you. So before we get into it, John, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your company. Sure, Joe. I'm John Globe. I'm the founder of Winmore Software. We're a tech company based in San Francisco. Very nice. Very nice. And what does Winmore do? So we are exclusively focused on the bid and tender process for 3PLs. That includes forwarders, brokers. We're real fortunate to be working with some of the biggest names in the industry and also increasingly a lot of the upstarts that are coming into the market and really helping to turn the way in which business is done in this space. Yeah, it's an awesome tool. I look forward to talking to you about it in a minute. Please tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you study? Where'd you major in in college? Sure. Yeah. By way of background, I actually grew up in Los Angeles. My father was an officer in the Air Force. We were stationed at LA Air Force Base. Worked briefly in entertainment. Actually, that was my first introduction to the supply chain. And then quickly found myself working in sales, predominantly selling computers and then eventually software. So I've been in the CRM software space since 1994, if you can believe it back when CRM was known as customer information systems. So I've seen all the twists and turns from client server Siebel to Salesforce and increasingly some of the very specific applications and software that help sales leaders ultimately drive more sales. I'm real fired up about this opportunity here, especially the one in transportation and logistics. Yeah, boy, you must have seen it back in the clunky old days because it used to be just a, a awful process when somebody said, oh, if we have a CRM, you're like, oh, great. I know what that means. My exactly. life is going to be wasted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In fact, back in the old days, we used to show up with literally suitcases of a server and a computer and assemble a small network in the conference rooms of our clients. So it's definitely come a long way when you think about the age of the iPhone and more importantly, much more specific to help sales leaders ultimately drive more revenue. And those sales leaders can vary by role, by company with really a laser focus, which is why I was really fired up to talk about our work today with Winmore. Yeah. And I, I think we should point out here, I know you're a, a techie, but you've always been in these sales roles. So you understand what it's like to be in a sales role and to have to go out and respond to RFPs. And I'm assuming somewhere along the line, have that RFP die on the vine because you and your team couldn't respond fast enough or your ops team couldn't get it together. I'm sure you've lived that because anyone who sells has lived that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But keep in mind, RFPs for most industries are really just a question of filling in the questions and answers. And while that's an important part of a transportation RFP, the reality is today, most of the RFPs can have literally hundreds, if not thousands of trade lane combinations, all of which require multiple pricing tiers. So the complexity of the RFPs in transportation is exponentially more challenging than virtually every other industry, which got us pretty excited to see if there's a creative way we can help solve it for sales leaders, to your point. Yeah. And then there's always that sense is, is this even a real, you know, am I even, is this worth it? You know, you get a, a huge bid package and you're kind of looking at the guy wondering, is this really an opportunity or is this a price check? But we'll get into that in a minute. When and why did you start Winmore? 
So I started Winmore about six years ago, and it was largely due to a conversation we had over at Salesforce. And I've known the team at Salesforce, gosh, since they were about 50 employees back in 2000 or so. Mark Benioff lives here in San Francisco. Parker Harris, who runs engineering, just a terrific local guy here in the community as well. And so about six years ago, the team at Salesforce was really concerned that the long tail of very specific industry verticals like transportation and logistics was having a hard time using the out-of-the-box CRM products that were in the industry. And so if you think about it today, if you were to buy any of the CRMs, whether it's Salesforce or Oracle or, uh, or SAP, they pretty much offer you three different software products, right? You would have the Salesforce product or the sales cloud, which helps you manage your pipelines, right? But then they would also probably offer you a marketing cloud, which if you look at it is really just an email engine or an email blasting tool along with helping automate some of the customer journey, which works again if you are a bank, if you are an insurance company, if you are focused in life sciences, because those are companies and businesses that require outbound email marketing. Transportation and logistics, on the other hand, get new customers by inbound RFPs. So we quickly honed in on that as a real sweet spot that had fundamentally different characteristics than the traditional marketing cloud approach of modern CRMs. So we said, well, what if we took a completely blank slate went after this area of helping 3PLs ultimately get more shipper customers. And we had complete free reign to build the right product, to price it the right way so that commercial leaders could use it quickly without enduring some of the longer drawn out CRM implementation cycles. And it's really paid dividends for us since we originally had that idea some six years ago. We're very fortunate that Salesforce was very excited about our approach. They actually invested and led our seed round to get us up and off the ground, which is something they rarely do. And I think the results of, of some of the numbers we're posting with our customers really speak for themselves. Yep. So, John, let's let's describe this problem a little bit before we get into the solution. So what is when we talk about the bid and tender process, just so the terminology is clear to everybody, what do you mean when you say bid? Yes. So a bid is effectively a response to an RFP or a tender. And the RFP is usually the term that you hear for the most part describing domestic opportunities in the U.S. Tender is often the term you hear in Europe. Tenders often are used to describe the freight forwarding RFP, whereas the term RFP tends to refer more to domestic truckload LTL services. And if you think about transportation and logistics, at last count, about 60% of the revenue comes through the RFP process. 60%. So the other 40% is usually spot market quotes that you know tend to be more profitable, but the core reliable business to cover the operating costs, about 60% of that comes through RFPs. Yeah. And sometimes you need to actually win some of the the contracted rate if you're going to get the spot quotes, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so increasingly, you'll see some companies that are saying, listen, I'm going to go ahead and offer these rates on the low end just as a loss leader in order to get that more lucrative spot quote business downstream. So you're absolutely right that they're very much connected hand in hand. And of course, a lot of shippers want to go through the RFP process to make sure that the companies they're working with are economically and viably sound, that they have the right insurance in place. So it really is increasingly a cost to entry to go through that process as well, or a cost of getting downstream business. Yep. So today's topic, again, is increase your RFP win rate. We all want that by fixing the bid and tender process. So what's wrong with the bid and tender process in the average company not utilizing a software such as yours? Well, it's it's really broken in two areas. I mean, number one is the behavior on the shipper side, right? You know, shippers increasingly send out Excel-based RFPs that have literally hundreds, if not thousands of trade lane or OD pair combinations, right? And candidly, they tend to want to send that material out there to their 3PLs and have a, uh, an advantage, right? They want to outsmart their suppliers. They want to 
have more data analytics on their staff. They want to have more insight in terms of pricing. So it's not exactly a, a warm relationship in so many cases. And so if you think about 10 years ago, a shipper would send an RFP to, I don't know, maybe 10 or so 3PLs and offer a two or three-year contract, right? Well, now, <laughs> literally that RFP might be going to dozens, if not hundreds of 3PLs offering you know, partial awards, demanding three revisions, and putting enormous pressure and stress on the 3PL across every function of the 3PL. And that's the second area of pain, which is that most 3PLs today, in order to prepare an adequate response, have to drive an enormous level of collaboration across a lot of different team members in their organization, all of which have very different agendas, right? The sales team, in many cases, wants to focus on getting the highest volume. The contracts team wants to protect the risk. Finance wants to make sure the shipper is going to pay their bill. Right, The product team wants to ensure that they've got the capacity. Carrier team wants to ensure that they've got the right coverage with the right carrier partner that doesn't have a high level of exceptions. And so you have all these different team members coming together to help prepare that response, which again, might involve two to three different responses, right? And may at the end of the day, just include a, a partial award. So it's, uh, it's incredibly high stress, incredibly pressurized environment that is broken. And, and the numbers speak for themselves. As I mentioned, it's about 60% of the business today comes in through RFPs, yet the average 3PL has to respond to six times the number of RFPs to get one award. So just to put that in perspective, right? If you wanted to make, say, a million dollars for your business, you have to respond to $6 million worth of RFPs. So that gives you an idea of just what a disconnect is and how far away the uh, two sides are in terms of this process. But the reality is most 3PLs have to respond, right? It's part of the cost of entry. And uh, they're doing that at a significant cost of both efficiency and uh, candidly morale within their business. Yeah, John, I can tell you, and my mind has had to change, not that I wanted to change. When I was selling 3PL services, I typically didn't, we did mostly LTL with some uh, truckload. I never wanted to be in a process where they were using multiple 3PLs. I would, I couldn't because we needed those. We needed, we needed to win all the business so we could go negotiate with those rates and that volume. But what was, if somebody said, yeah, you're in the bid process, I would bail because it was too much for us to manage. And also I had this thought in my head always that I didn't do my job as a sales guy because now I have to uh, be treated like a commodity. So <laughs> I guess a lot of people probably came from where I did, which is, hey, if you find yourself in that bid process, you did something wrong. But there's no way to get the, the kind of volume you need these days without getting into this process. Can't avoid it. Exactly. It really is a reality of the business today. And that's why I think we've seen that number go from, again, your perspective, where it may have been 20% of the business coming in through RFPs increasing to 30, 40, 50 to now 60%, right? So the shippers are increasingly relying on this process. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Really, so the only response is to look at the way in which those teams are working together, to collaborating to pull those bids and see if you can apply technology to do it faster and smarter, which is a, ultimately the problem that we're solving. Yep. And I want to talk a little bit about more once you have that, once you've got that RFP in hand and now you've got to go figure out, you got to get with your carriers. You have to go figure out how am I going to manage this business? You know, as you said, margins and all that, who manages that within the average 3PL? Is it sales managing that or is it the more an ops thing? You know what? It's really interesting. Sometimes it's actually under finance. Sometimes it's under marketing, right? What we found in our focus on this area of this industry is that there's really no best practice of where the RFP process resides, right? I think the level of executive buy-in is, is absolutely critical, especially between the CFO and the commercial leader. But, you know, the RFP process can fit into a variety of different parts in an organization. And 
Often it comes down to someone who has an enormous level attention to detail that can work across a lot of different functions. It's not afraid to spend multiple all-nighters in preparing the responses. But unfortunately, there are very few tools outside ours that can help that person and that individual manage their RFP process and do it in a more effective way. Yep. So I can tell you from my own experience managing a, a small 3PL that when we, so we had five, seven, eight people in the office. When we would get a new opportunity like that, it would be, uh, in addition to managing all of our existing business, it would blow up the ops group. It would blow up the sales group. And then I do remember, as you mentioned, different agendas. The sales guy just wants that. He doesn't care if it's 3% margin. I, I need that. I need that sale, right? To your point, the owner, the finance guy is always saying, let's make sure the margin's right. He always had, is the credit right for this customer, right? A lot of times people are going out looking for new 3PLs when their old 3PL cut them off. So that's always a concern. Well, exactly. And then for a lot of 3PLs that have, you know, strong carrier relationships, right? There's a whole scramble that goes into effect to find the right carrier partner. And honestly, or plural, the right carrier partners, since oftentimes with some of the more complex projects, it may involve working with literally dozens of different carrier partners to assemble that bid. And, you know, we've learned that firsthand with some of the, the best names of the industry to see how they managed that process before and how we can help them, again, move faster to ultimately impact that win rate. Yep. And so talk before we jump into the solution and talking about that, give us a, a, a sense for how that information's managed today, because that's always was an issue. Lots of emails and Excel spreadsheets flying around. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's so funny, Joe, you literally walk through a major airport. I was in O'Hare last week, for example, and there's a big billboard in the side of the terminal. So you get off the plane and you're just stumbling through that connection back to the main terminal and grab your Uber or your cab and you look over on the left side and it says SAP powers the Fortune 500. I saw that billboard. I was tempted to take out a marker and say, no, it's actually Microsoft Excel that powers the Fortune 500, right? Because the reality is Microsoft <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Excel is driving so many of these processes and the RFP is no exception to that. So you literally have Microsoft Excel. Just to be clear, it's a spreadsheet software application that was built in 1979 to help bookkeepers manage the general ledgers, right? It's a financial application that somehow has been twisted and pushed into help supporting really anything that runs numbers. And I think this is, uh, this is no exception in the RFP process. So the reality is today that the uh, RFP teams are largely using email and Excel. And so the first questions that they often struggle with is, okay, well, what did we price this last year, right? Who could find that bid that we submitted? Why did we win? How much freight did they actually ship? So immediately out of the gate, it's a very heavily Excel and email-based process that does involve, in many cases, pulling some historicals out of the TMS. It may involve, of course, reconciling the RFPs with the overall pipeline in the CRM. But today, the reality is it's largely an Excel and email-based process that's very broken and not very well designed for a collaborative process, like getting all these people to work together and determine the right pricing that'll help win the right lanes. Yep. So when we talk about this, trying to fix the bid and tender process, and I know you guys have done that, when we talk about why it's broken, what we're talking about is, first off, I got this opportunity that I'm not even sure is a good one. It could just be price check, right? Secondly, I don't know that my carriers want it. I don't know that we can do it profitably. I don't know that this is something we can support internally. And and then I'm, you know, then we have, of course, you had to do the credit checks. The sales guys are pushing on it. And then we've got this whole, just you described it, this huge mess of Excel spreadsheets, emails, multiple departments being involved. 
probably hard to tell who actually owns the process in most cases. So this is why you decided to chase this. Is there any other reasons that were part of that? Yeah, you know, another big factor is a real hardening and toughening up on the shipper side, right? You know, again, 10 years ago, Walmart wasn't anywhere near as strict and rigid as they are now with their on-time or its free policy when it comes to, to shipping freight. That same mindset of being absolutely relentless with providers is actually holding true on the, on the RFP side, right? They literally will not accept a bid if it comes in at 5.02 when the deadline is 5 p.m. So I think the shipper expectation of on time or it's full, right, relating to its RFPs as well as its freight deliveries is a reality of the business, too, that make the stakes even higher. Yep. I would also say, and this is probably a separate topic, but I probably the last few years, I've heard it a lot more than ever before, where trucking companies and 3PL say, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want that business because because of some of the reputations that are out there. Yeah, it is. It is. And and alongside of that is another question of when, when a 3PL wins a business, they all look at each other and say, well, why did we win it? <laughs> right? We weren't expecting that. What, what went wrong? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't mention enough here is I think one of the challenges, and you started to allude to it, is why did we win it last year? Was it profitable? Is this even in our, well, using the term, is this even in our lane? Do we want this? So Having any sort of analytics, is this good business for us, is all probably anecdotal, right? <laughs> Ask Bob, he worked on it last year, right? No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, alongside of that is that insight, too, of, of understanding, you know, what did we price similar bids in, in the similar vertical industry? You know, if we're responding to a Zara RFP, what does that mean if we responded to Gap, you know, just three months before in terms of pricing and insight, given just how volatile it is? So I think that is a big factor and a big driver here, which is, you know, can you really understand and, and pick up those trends? And the reality is, if you look across most 3PL operations, you're going to see, you know, three types of software, right? You're going to see your TMS, which of course is, you know, the core operating platform. You may see a CRM that candidly most of the reps are using just to keep track of names and phone numbers and customers' birth dates, right? And then you have everything else, the Excel and email. So understanding, you know, the pricing that you used to bid on the business, right? Even if you didn't win it, didn't really reside anywhere inside a 3PL, which immediately allowed us to have light bulbs go off and start realizing, you know, this could be a really interesting opportunity to carve out and own and very insightful and interesting data set for us. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. So six years ago, in a very different world, <laughs> that's kind of was pre-digital freight broker world, you had the idea that we can fix this process. And uh, tell us a little bit about where you were at and what your thoughts were. And then tell us what's maybe changed over that last six years since you've been in business. Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You look back on six years ago, and I distinctly remember sitting down with Evan Armstrong at his conference and saying, Evan, 
the software space is going to be really exciting. And I think I was lucky to get a panel spot on day four or day three of his conference at 3 p.m., right? Software wasn't really that interesting. We were coming out of the recovery. The big question there was largely around stabilization of rates. And it was very much a very different climate. Amazon was just starting to make inroads into the into the space. And we've certainly seen what's happened there, even with some of the recent reports on Amazon versus FedEx and UPS. So it was a really different climate, right? And I think one of the advantages of of having a backer like Salesforce.com so early allowed us to start those conversations with a lot of those first early commercial leaders. So we were able to sit down with leaders like Todd Starbuck, who at the time was the chief commercial officer of DHL Supply Chain. He's now moved over to DB Shanker's contract logistics division, which is really exciting. People like Chris O'Brien at CH Robinson, for example, individuals like Otto Schachter at Kuninagel, who runs all of the commercial operations there. Kurt Ames at Global Trans and others. And so we were able to understand and, and build some close relationships early on, largely because there wasn't a lot of noise, right? We were really among the few software companies other than TMS providers that were starting to have this discussion around what insight and the analytics could ultimately do for commercial operations. And I look back in hindsight, I think we were probably maybe a year and a half early, but wow, how great to be early than late. And so it's been uh, incredibly exciting to see the sweeping changes that have happened where the CIO role in an average 3PL has gone from, you know, a relatively insignificant role to a very important one. And more importantly, commercial leaders now are understanding how to use technology to compete more effectively, right? Sales leaders are understanding and learning about data analytics in ways in which they can align and manage their teams with smart incentives, which is a really interesting area too for us to explore. So I think the numbers have spoken uh, for themselves. You know, at last count, there's been over $6 billion of value of tech startups in the logistics and transportation through 400 companies that have all been backed in the last three years. And so I know firsthand of some of those challenges of commercial leaders that may not have had, for example, a very slick website now dealing with upstarts that you know, promise the world that may not have as much of an understanding of, of the details of the industry, to say it politely. Yeah, well, that's the chat. Do you know technology or do you know logistics or do you know both? So we talked a little bit about why this process, the bid and tender process is broken. So you guys went about trying to fix that. Who did you start? I mean, how did you know what was broken? Who were you working with? It was it just those companies you just mentioned, all those big dogs. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I mean, I think we quickly realized there were three areas that were that were broken, right? It was the qualification process, right? How do you qualify an RFP when it comes in? Exactly to your point, about 22% of the RFPs are price checks based on a recent study that was run earlier this year. So stop and think about that. 22% of the RFPs that you're spending all night responding to will have no opportunity for you to add to your top line. So if you can qualify those bids and those RFPs right away and not respond to them by making smart, data-driven decisions, you're going to be one step ahead. So, So first, we wanted to solve for qualification. Second, we wanted to give those commercial leaders the visibility so that they could have confidence to know that every step of the RFP process was mapped out, that everyone knew what was expected of them, that everyone had a clear understanding of the steps that were involved. So giving that commercial leader end-to-end process visibility was a second part of the process that we felt we needed to address. And then finally, we also realized that, that people were communicating in all new different ways, right? They're working off their mobile devices on their iPads while they're watching Netflix at home at nine o'clock at night on tenders, for example, in RFPs. So we had to build a new way in which teams could collaborate and work together, which was mobile first, which is based on tablets and desktops, all working together and really take advantage of this sort of new model of collaboration. So those were the three 
tenants that we we really solved for early on. And the other point that we realized was that there was very much a follow the leader mindset in transportation and logistics when it comes to IT investments, right? And literally the first question that comes out when we sit down with a broker or a freight forwarder or a 3PL is, well, who else is using it? And so we realized it was very important for us to work with the the big industry leaders very early on. And so DHL was one of our first customers, which was incredibly demanding, as you can imagine. Uh, We won the business not only with the DHL supply chain, but also DHL global forwarding, where we're powering their bid desk around the world with literally billions of dollars of of bidded revenue. We've also won the business with our largest account, Kuna Noggle. On top of that, we won the business at CH Robinson and Global Trans. So it was very much focused on let's get the biggest names we can also to build that that partnership, right? So we could figure out what they felt was important in terms of security and infrastructure and really make sure that we had the right tools for commercial leaders so we could ensure that the product would actually be used and implemented by the reps in the field and those collaborative teams working together. Yep. I should also mention, uh, I know you guys worked with the big dogs up there. You just mentioned the biggest and the best. I looked around, I, you gave me a, a opportunity to look at your uh, your tool and it's it's not a big company tool. A small company can use it just as effectively as a big company does. Yeah. And, and Joe, that's a really good point, right? One of the things we also realized is if we're going to go after this space, we better come up with a more creative, digestible pricing model, right? That works for a commercial leader. You can't afford, you know, these days to sit down with a 3PL and say, oh, it's $150 a user a month and all hundred of your employees need to use it. So give us a check for $600,000, right? That's just not going to work, right? Let's just say it out loud. So we thought, well, why don't we take a jukebox approach, which means, you know, if you have X amount of money coming through tenders, and maybe those are RFPs tied to a certain vertical or maybe a branch office, right? And you just want to get started with the software. Why don't we price based on the volume of bidded revenue, right? So think about that for a second. No per user pricing. You effectively get everyone involved that's in participating in the RFP process, give them a login to win more. And we price based on the volume of bidded revenue. So if you want to try it out with, say, $10 million worth of bidded revenue, the price on that is much smaller, right? You can do that. And effectively, if it helps you win more bids and you want to buy more quarters for the jukebox afterwards and keep using it, that's your prerogative. We feel in our opinion, once we get in, it's really hard for our customers to to turn us off. And so it's having a nice way in which you can effectively get in, start small, have very little risk. Again, you can it's a fully blown app, so you can use it day one without having to do any integrations with TMS or CRM. So all that's designed for a commercial leader that knows they can't sit down with a CFO and a CIO and ask for $600,000 in licensing a year and expect it to, to not be laughed out of the room. So, Right. So we talked a little bit about this bid-in tender process, it is broken and it's leading to all sorts of problems, reduced revenue, longer sales cycle time. Your sales cycle just keeps growing and growing because you can't get back fast enough, poor visibility. So you guys came up with this tool that gives me the ability to look at everything in one place, right? This gives me the ability to qualify what's coming in, make sure it's the right kind of business for you. Not just the stuff that looks like very similar to the stuff we turned down last month. As soon as you see it, you can get rid of it visibility for the whole team end to end. And then you talked about collaborating and that's for everybody who's working on it. Finance, ops, sales, senior management, everybody can access this tool and see what's going on, right? Exactly. And I'd also add the power of the analytics, right? Because as we're importing these Excel files from each of your shippers, we're running the level of pricing and analysis off each of those lanes while we're exploring the integration with the TMS, you can start unlocking some really powerful data insights, 
right? And that data insights can be done to do, can be applied to really solve some really impactful areas of, of the business, right? Can it help you understand lanes that you're not covering right now? Lanes where they do have the highest margins. Why certain verticals and certain types of shippers are, are paying more for certain lanes than others. And so we believe the battleground of the future in transportation will be based on data insights. And so what we can do to glean and understand those patterns based on, you know, the RFP and demand that's coming in and driving up to 60% of the revenue can be incredibly powerful, especially if it's matched with, you know, a really strong, conscientious data analytics sales organization that can really apply that the right way with the right level of relationship building to unlock that, that opportunity. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a people-driven business. We would just want to give your people the most accurate insight to get them working closely together in the most efficient way they can. Yep. John, one of the things I think about all the time in, is the, the big three. <laughs> the big three in sales is, you know, if you want to increase your sales, you do one of these three things. And there's nuance within it. But one is get more sales leads. And what you're do, helping do is say, are these good sales leads? So you're helping qualify those sales leads. You're helping saying these are the kind of sales leads we want. So you're helping in that first one. The second thing we want to do is reduce sales cycle time. If I can sell in two weeks and you take four weeks, I'm going to sell a lot more, right? So you guys really help on that because you're kind of almost like, I don't know if I use this term, but almost like sales automation where you like compress that process. Is that right to say? Yeah, it is because that process involves so many different functions with so many different players with so many different divergent interests, right? So it's more than just one process to one sales team to have a more accurate pipeline, right? This is one process that involves literally five, six dozens of stakeholders, each of which have their different objectives, each of which are using email today and pulling that into one place with a direct measurable impact on the top line, which is incredibly exciting for us. Yep. And I think the last the last of the big three is close rate. You can help me close more deals. Now, tell, tell us a little bit why you can help us close more deals. Well, the numbers speak for themselves, right? And so without disclosing specifics, I mean, you do have an idea of the types of companies that we're working with. But again, this is the same thing we're hearing from even small up and coming digital freight providers like GenPro, which is a, a freight broker in Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, Caitlin Meaden runs a sales and marketing team there, and they've deployed Winmore not only for the RFP process, but also for some of their carrier teams as well. The numbers we're hearing are, are incredibly powerful. It's on average a 60% increase in the number of qualified bids that they can respond to thanks to Winmore. So first out of the gate, they can respond to 60% more bids because their teams are working more efficiently together. And just as impactful, if not more so, increase their win rate by 12%. So think about that for a second. Respond to 60% more bids and then increase your win rate by 12%. So those are real numbers that can move the needle right. for any company, large and small, by, again, getting these teams out of email Excel into a more collaborative software environment where everyone understands what's expected, where you can roll out those price checks and ultimately deliver a higher quality response. And again, I, I'm not I'm not in your marketing team, but it feels almost like a marketing war room when you open up the app. I can see all my all my uh, deals in process, and then who's working on it. It's pretty slick. So again, I like the I like that whole idea that it helps me make better use of my leads. It really tightens up that process from lead to close or lead to walk away, and then it also helps with that higher close rate. So all very good things. So if I could jump in, Joe, just one thing on, on that point, I would also say it can help reduce burnout, employee burnout, right? You know, these teams that are involved in RFPs, I mean, think about your initial reaction. It's like, oh, we just got an RFP from so-and-so. Everyone sits there rolling their eyes like, oh gosh, how's this all going to unfold, right? 
So the people on the front line, right, that are struggling in email and Excel are high risk, right? Because I think what we're seeing now is this new wave of products like ours, like Winmore, that are helping them, you know, move into a digital age that candidly, the only way you're going to be able to retain some of your best employees that are on the front line is by investing in the tools that they need to make their jobs easier, to give them, you know, effectively higher, higher grade weapons to compete in an increasingly complex war. Yeah. And John, you know this as well as I do. There's a lot of small, and when I say small, still decent sized businesses where the owner is still very active and maybe his core team. And they're the best salespeople. They know ops best. They manage the the margin and all that. And I work with a lot of those guys too. And one of the things I've heard over time is, wow, you know, we're doing okay financially. And I, I wonder whether I want the hassle of more business. So they kind of intellectually know I got to go grow this business, but kind of on the other end, they know they maybe haven't built the team yet. They don't have the tools to keep growing. And you do get to a point where you say, it's got to be more than just me driving this ship. Yeah. And keep in mind, we're, you know, 10 years plus into probably one of our nation's largest economic expansions. And so I understand that mindset, right? Because things have been strong economically for a longer period of time. But the reality is things can and do change quickly, right? And so the uh, challenge for, I think, a lot of commercial leaders is to expect when that drought will come and to make sure they're prepared to do that, right? And you do that by really tightening up those relationships with your key shippers by investing in the tools that help you deliver more services to them. So just keep in mind that the offset of the investment in some of the new products is much smaller than I think what many people expect, right? They're so used to thinking that put software in place involves an enormous level of expense with teams of customization and all that. We are literally talking about a $500 software investment for a million dollars in freight, which basically is like a steak dinner. If you stop and think about it, a really nice right. one, right? But if, right. but if all you have is an interest in going after, say, another $10 million of freight, that's $5,000 in software costs, right? Just enough to try it out and see if it does, in fact, move your business with your largest accounts. So I guess my advice and encouragement is, yes, things are, are good economically. You know, we're starting to see wage growth pick up, which is super important for our economy. We're seeing continued strength in certain areas like e-commerce and retail, of course, and others. But things can change. And when they do, make sure you're absolutely prepared, not only for your shipper customers and the higher quality responses, but also for your internal teams so that they're not burned out in email and Excel. So they are investing in them, again, because those cost of investments are much lower than they've ever been. Yep. So, John, this has been very interesting. Again, I think this is a fantastic tool for doing a few different things. First off, making better use of my leads. I'm a big believer and you need more leads all the time. But if you're wasting them, which it sounds like a lot of people are, that's a problem. So you can help us do better with our leads. You can help us tighten up that that sales process from whatever it is, six weeks to four weeks to two weeks, whatever, whatever we need to get it to. Right. And then last but not least, you're going to help us with the close rate. So this is, seems like a slam dunk. So wrap this up for us. Give us some closing thoughts and then tell us how anybody who's listening, how they might follow up and talk to you or your team over at Winmore. Yeah, no, I think, I think, Joe, we've just had a great discussion today. And, and thank you so much for the invitation to join you and, and share some of our insights in the industry. And I guess I would encourage anyone who's interested, you can certainly learn more at winmore.app. Again, that's winmore.app. And we'd be happy to walk you through some more detailed case studies from the industry. There's some great material that we certainly have on our website. We've also done quite a bit of work in building out our ROI models for some of those largest 
more complex procurement departments in the industry. So when it comes to helping arm sales leaders with a strong ROI for investing in this area, we're uh, very experienced, prepared, and willing to do that. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Very much looking forward to continue our conversation and, and really appreciate your time today. Yep. John, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the transcripts. I'll also put a link to Winmore. And again, thank you so much for sharing with us. Again, this, this is kind of a force multiplier tool. You know, we all need a way to be more effective and more efficient. I think this is a great way to go about it. Well, thank you, Joe. And thank you so much for having me. Yep. Thank you, John. And thanks everybody for listening to my podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 